You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and after some mic adjustments, hopefully I'm going to continue to make some mic adjustments. I'm trying to balance the sound. This is Jeff Ellis of Locked On Indians podcast. We have some small bits of news to talk about. Um, we will discuss some errors I made over the course of the week, and why don't we just? And then we'll talk about the prospect I've been slow playing uh, over the past few shows in regards to the Indians in the draft. So let's just lead off. Mike Bobble, as I know, mad thinker. I'm probably butchering your last name. I apologize. Pointed out some things that uh, that I got wrong, and I'm always cool with that because I make a lot of mistakes. I am, uh, you know, I, I do this a little bit seat of my pants. I kind of pull up a bunch of windows that I want to navigate to. Occasionally something hits me as it's going and I talk about that. But that leads to errors. You know, I, uh, being someone who is a ADDH, I'm very likely to shoot something out of my mouth, not think about it, not research it well enough and make a mistake. And that's what happened here. And I'm never offended by someone correcting me um, because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. So Mike was nice enough not only to correct me, but to correct me in a very nice way. And I wanted to, um, you know, give him his time and also, you know, read the corrections. Like, let's let's correct a mistake. I, I screwed up. I am not beyond admitting that and doing it. First one, uh, perfect point. Um, I was like, why didn't the Indians give uh, a... a a con- uh, you know, the qualifying offer to Donaldson. Well, dummy, you should have known. But like, this is the one that drives me nuts because I should have known this every single moment. They traded for him. Like, you can't trade for someone uh, and then give them the qualifying offer. It it doesn't work that way. Like, that's just one of those basic rules. That was just a dumb, dumb statement by myself. By the way, uh, Mad Thinker M Thinker eighty eight on Twitter. That is his his handle. Uh, yeah. So that is just a big bonehead statement by me and then too i forgot that will smith had been because i mean here's gonna be my excuse will smith was like barely a free agent but i forgot that uh atlanta had already um basically the donaldson pick they gained they've already lost because they signed will smith so those two cancel out is what it's going to come down to um will smith of the giants uh so now of the Braves. so i i completely blanked on that as well that's also for him um he just, what I love about this is hopefully he won't mind me. I just love that he wrote, and I felt a public Twitter explanation would be inconsiderate to you in the efforts you put in your show. So, again, really good dude. Let's just leave it at that when you have that in there. Um, just perusing this to make sure there's some other things. I think I said something stupid about the changes to the roster that he's going to send me at some point. And again, I am very cool with that. I'm always trying to, to learn. Um, well, actually, he said he sent me one. I just don't have it. So, Mike, maybe it didn't get to me or I would be addressing that stuff as well. So that's a little bit weird. But, uh, again, thank you for listening, Mike. Thank you for taking the time and effort to correct me when I make a mistake. We should all be uh, willing to be corrected and to learn from it. And I know I learned a little more today. News. Hey, another one of the top 50 free agents signed. I'm going to put this mic volume down a bit. Uh as I guess my positioning was making that to get a little loud, it looked like uh, maybe the least impressive of the top 50 free agents signed, Drew Smiley. Uh, man, there's a point in time where I, I thought he was going to be something really good. Um, I thought Tampa was really smart to trade for him. Lefty, low walk rate. Like, you look those first few years in Detroit, specifically when he was working out of the pen, 
strikeout rate of 8.5, 9.6, 9.6, walk rate 3 and 2, and his walk rate has stayed under 3. Strikeout rate's been a little up and down. Home run rate has been a lot of up and down. He's never quite figured out his role. You know, he didn't pitch in the majors due to injuries in 2017 or 2018. With uh, Philly, he was okay. With Texas, not so much. And he it's a relatively small deal to the Giants. He's going to get $4 million, gets a 250K signing bonus. And I'm just kind of looking now to see if he gets he gets bonuses based on, you know, appearing in games. So he's he's basically signing as a reliever from what I can see this because the bonuses are about games finished and um, like a 60-game threshold. So, yeah, he's 100% being signed as a reliever. And for $4 million, it's not bad. I mean, you can never have enough lefties. And, uh, yeah, he might be trying to fill into that Will Smith role for them. Uh, the fact he's got some things in there that imply closing or ending of games thinks it's more of an opportunity for that they're going to look at him as a closer. Uh, this past year, he started 21 of 25 games he pitched in. So, uh, again, he was at his best when he worked out of the pen. So an interesting gamble. We now are down to five. Five of 50 left. Uh, Stroop, Puig, Holt, Castelli. Uh, I have someone else who helps me with my pronunciations on here. Let me give him a shout-out. Um, and I keep butchering it. Well, Azuna. I'll get that one correctly while I, I pull this one up. Uh, see him scrolling terribly right now. This is what happens on a Friday show. Uh, at D E B C I S E and D Dubois, Dubois. It it's, looks like it'd be, I don't know. Okay, so I'm gonna butcher your name because you know you help me with correction. So it only is, it it would only be natural for me to butcher your name too. So it's Cast I Castellanos, 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 Nick Castellanos. So. Um, well, you know, I've not spent a lot of time on those five, but those uh, players are all out there. Um, <laughs> what came out today that uh, someone with a real account, and it was Sports and Hum retweeting it, um, saying that Yasiel Puig is looking for a multi-year contract uh, starting at $15 million a year, and then you're like, okay, so that's why the Indians haven't signed him. Like, that's a ridiculous figure if true. Um, I was having a thought process today that the Indians should, you know, the Mets could still use pen help. Could we flip Brad Hand for... Uh, Dom Smith, and then use the money savings to offer a one-year deal to Puig, and then next year when Puig walks, um, and you likely don't pick up Santana's option, uh, you got Smith at first, you've got uh, DH with Franmil, and hopefully by that time, or Nolan Jones is your DH, and then your outfield maybe the big hope I think, um, you know we'll get to this later in the show, later in the shows in the future when we kind of look at like what are the Indians doing, why why do they feel comfortable with what they have. Um, Bradley Zimmer, I think, is is a big part of that. But yeah, if he wants, uh, you know, even two years, fifteen million a year, he's he's insane if he thinks he's going to get that right now. Um, other news, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Brave signed Adeni Hechevarria. I had him as the best shortstop left on the market. So one point one million. I thought I saw maybe just one million, but solid backup utility type and he was again by my mark the best shortstop left on the market so i have to update my all free agent team i need a new shortstop i need a new starting pitcher um yeah you know we're seeing guys drop left and right let's see uh pat Vilecki was let go today um 
it's he's an interesting player because I'm not sure I've ever seen a guy who's had you know 400 at bats in the majors over four years, who two out of the last two years has hit under 200. Um, guy who keeps getting claimed, but is just not not really done enough to uh, to prove it. When I first saw it, I was thinking of Daniel uh, Palka, the uh, the guy with the White Sox. I'm like, did he? Because he, he's interesting. Two years ago, he really produced. Um, I mean, Vlecky's just a utility guy. He can play a bunch of utility positions, and that's going to be his, 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 you know, life, basically, uh, going forward. Austin Bryce, who I go, oh, there's some interesting things. And I talked about some of his spin rate stuff and things he had done. He was acquired by the, uh, the Boston Red Sox, put a claim in on him today. So that's, you know, just going back to some of the things we talked about on the podcast. Uh, if you want to get into, you know, managerial stuff, we had another manager get fired. We had some interesting more rumors and weren't really um, with any backing that came out on the Astros and and devices and such. But again, I'm not going to dive into something where we really have very little information available to us. So we did the news. We've done corrections. Let's talk about the reclassification of Nick Bitsko. Now, I have to be careful because Bitsko... Ooh, with my pronunciation skills, that could go bad. Let's just be honest. But he is not someone who's going to go bad. He, I, some places, was viewed as the top prep pitcher for next year. Um, but he reclassified and is going to, because he's graduating. He's a Virginia commit. Now, there's always the possibility he will go to Virginia. It's not very likely because you typically don't reclassify just to go to college early. We haven't seen a lot of that. But it, could, it can happen. Uh, what's interesting, though, is because... He's going to do this reclassification. He's going to turn um, 19 at the end of May, beginning of June. And, you know, it, by graduating early, he will. if he went to college, he would be draft eligible in the same season that he would have been if he had just stayed for four years of high school. Because he would have been a draft eligible sophomore, but now he's wouldn't gain that eligibility till he's a junior. So I just thought that was kind of uh, interesting from the perspective of something you don't see very often. He is a cold-weather right-hander with upper 90s velocity who is now young for his graduating class, um, having played and performed well on the circuit, extremely well-known, as I said, that as a junior, he was considered the top arm in next year's class in a lot of places. Um, curveball is uh, looks like a plus offering. Fastball is going to be the bread and, bo- bread and butter. Bread and butter. Um, you know, the I'm... The changes of the work in progress, but it's a clean delivery. It's an easy delivery. Uh, you, you look at the Indians' indicators. Uh, delivery, they don't really seem to care about. Uh, last year's pick had, um, you know, a delivery that was just frightened people left and right, and the Indians didn't care. But they like young for the age. They like cold weather. They like velocity. Um, that's all here. That's what's with uh, Bitsko. He... Uh, I think he's the second best prep arm in the class. I think Jared Kelly is still number one. I put Mick Abel a bit behind him. And then after that, those three, it's a big drop off. Um, But yeah, I I mean, if you look at what they've been doing, the Indians have been all about prep pitching of late. Bitsko makes a lot of sense. The only question is, will he get there? Um, I've heard him connected with some teams in the teens, maybe as high as 10. And we'll have to see. I, I was talking... Earlier in the week, uh, with Taylor Blake Ward, and he goes, I think he could be an Angels type of guy, 
but he, he, you know, he didn't have any inside info, so that's why, you know, 10, because that's what the Angels pick, because he, he just thought there could be some interest there. But it's interesting, because I, as I was talking with him, you know, it's our team's, the pitching depth is just ridiculous in this class. We were talking about what happens if, like, the Angels go a bit under slot at 10, because they don't have a, a second rounder this year from the signing Rendon, so they don't pick again until three. And the Angels' MO has been, like, nailed down those first two picks, and after that, we're not going to give anybody big money. Um, and, and there's a logic to that, that, you know, first two rounds are where a, your lowest bust rate is. So you might as well spend there. But if it's the first and the third, when they pick in the third round, it's probably gonna be somewhere in the seventies. There's going to be a few guys there with first round talent. So maybe the angels could, um, you know, sign someone a little lesser, not that Bitsko is, is signing someone lesser, someone else, and then turn around and grab someone because it's such a crazy deep class. But also led to the, the question of if the class is this super deep the for pitching, college pitching in particular, because prep pitching, not not great. Um, I like last year's class better. College hitters, it, there's good depth. The top isn't as good as a year ago, but the depth is certainly there. It's a good year to go for college talent. So, but particularly with the depth of college pitching, do you, do you askew pitching early? Like, are teams going to go with, you know, is this mean that, like, the first pick is, like, Torkelson versus Martin um, type of situation? Is that where the, the Tigers would go? If you're a team that's kind of up there, are you going to be like, well, yeah, it's a really good pitcher, and there's also a really good hitter, and you know what? In round three, I can get a pretty good hitter, and I can still get a very good pitcher. So I'm going to go... Uh, real good, very good. Instead of going real good, good. Um, it's one of those things that could happen. We could see what happens. It's, it's all going to come down to your board and who you really think is that star talent. Um, but for the Indians, it's you know it's it's an important year. They have a lot of talent kind of graduating up the system, uh, which is when talent falls apart. Let's be honest. You know the. There's a lot of guys, you go back three, four years, and you not just me, you look at anyone who writes in-depth about the Indians and, you know, the Matt Esparzas of the world and guys like that, the Tyler Kriegers, um, guys like that that were kind of like borderline or were top 10 prospects as they're performing really well in A-ball. Uh, you see a lot of talent fall off. Like more than half of the guys who are in A-ball right now uh, who are ranked in the top 30 are going to fall off in the next year to two. And that's not because of graduation. It's going to be because of they're not going to be able to make that leap. And that's what we see. So the Indians, yeah, they have a lot of talent right now, but it's a lot of talent at the stage where you have not started separating the wheat from the chaff yet. It is all wheat and chaff together. It's, you know, the corn is still in the the stock. You have not taken out the silt. Let's, let's come up with another farming analogy here. But uh, it doesn't change the fact that a lot of guys aren't going to work. And you're going to see a lot of guys struggle and hit a wall and, you know, I can tell you about Alexander Perez and Adam Abreu and Dorsey's Paulino. And these were guys who were considered top prospects in the system. Some were, can, you know, borderline top 100 prospects in some places. And um, most of them never even saw AAA. Some of them never even saw AA. So, it, you know, it, or we can go back to the, when I first started writing, there was the trifectorate of pitching. And there were three really good Latin American pitching pitchers that were kind of like the heart of the Indians minors after Adam Miller. You know, he's just an odd 
different case situation, but you had the most talented one of the group, the can't miss one was Kelvin De La Cruz. Um, he never made it to the majors, uh, never really progressed. Next up was Hector Rondon, who never made it with the Indians, but eventually did get through. And then the least talented of the group, and the one that um, you know most people thought could be more of a quad A guy, was Jenmar Gomez, who has turned into a pretty solid reliever and has put up a lot of innings. And like I said, it, it, you could at peak Rendon was the best, but Rendon versus Gomez has not been a huge separator when you look at uh, overall. I, I mean, it's probably not fair. Peak Rendon was quite good. But either way, um, the number one guy never made it. And I can pretty much go through every single year of the Indian system and point out a good chunk of that. That is just what happened. So when everyone talks about the Indian system is fantastic, they have all this talent in the low minors. It's like, yeah, they have all this talent in the low minors. <laughs> they haven't They haven't separated. They have not started breaking down, which is what happens when you get up to A ball, um, when you're up there in high A, and then double A even more so. And... Uh, it's just, it, it things fall apart, to take the line from Chuita Achebe, uh, the name of his book. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's what's going to happen. So the Indians need to keep refilling that talent in the lower minors because basically if you're sending up four blue chip type, you know, high level prospects, you probably can only hope that one's going to get to the majors. Uh, if you're sending up five, you can probably still only hope one's getting to the majors. Ten, you're maybe three. You know, that's that's kind of where it is. So you have to keep just accumulating, accumulating, and pushing up. Because the Indian system in a year is going to be bad. Like, I don't think it's going to be a, a, you know, right now it's like people have a borderline top 10. I don't, but a lot of people do. And you're going to see a lot of graduations. You're going to see a lot of guys. It's like Tristan McKenzie is going to graduate or he's going to completely fall off lists. Nolan Jones, he could still be there, but he could graduate. Um, all that young talent in the lower minors is going to prove itself or it's not. And you're just going to start seeing Logan Allen. He's going to fall off the list. It, there's a lot of guys who are going to fall off that list this year for the uh, the Cleveland Indians. And we'll have to see where it replaces them. But at the same time, uh, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's just going to be interesting. They have three high picks in a deep draft. And it, that's why this is an important draft to know, an important draft for Indians fans. It's it, you have to make an, basically um, a never-ending fountain of talent. It's it's the only way the Indians can survive. They need to keep adding to and accumulating, and knowing that you have very very low success rates, um, but keep adding talent. That's where part of me honestly feels like you would get more value never home growing any player. You're just trading everything you have. Because then you're getting value. Yes, you get the best value by home growing them, but by trading everyone who has tradable value, you then get something when the rate of failure is so high that so many of those prospects you're going to get nothing for. So it's it's almost like you know homegrown talent is the the longer odds bet better payoff for certain, but trading at a certain point, and you can go through my Twitter history. You can find where I was ready to trade, you know, Lindor when he was in double-A. You could, I mean, Twitter didn't exist, but I was all for trading Kipnis and keeping Cord Phelps to talk about things we were wrong about. Um, you know, when there was Lindor and Paulino at the top of the Indians minor league system, I made a case for, for trading Lindor because he had the, the lower uh, offensive upside. Um, but, you know, this is all what kind of made me as a writer into what I am now. 
Um, I learned the the value of that low A production, the value of you know the hyped guy who got a lot of money. Um, I, I learned about which players, you know what what is going to cause a guy to stumble, what is going to cause a guy to excel, and that's what I focus on now. You know, I, I love a good scouting report and I read them and I love video and I watch it because you want to look for, um, you know, very obvious things that could slow someone down. But it reaches a point where, you know, there's certain things that, oh, this guy can't do this. And there are a few guys who can so talented they can overcome certain things. But for the m- most part, you can kind of just start looking at distinct areas and knowing, OK, this profile isn't going to work. And if it does work, he's the unicorn, but you can't bet on it working in. You can't bet on anyone being the unicorn, which was, you know, kind of why I was never um, a Tristan McKenzie person. And that's that's kind of where I am with the Indians. It's going to be interesting to watch because very flawed team, very flawed team with their back up against the wall and an owner who's cutting money um, left and right. It's it's crappy. There's no other way to put it. It is a crappy time to be. It should, it should be a great time. There should be a peak time to be a fan of the Cleveland Indians. They have the best talent they have had since the 90s over the last five years. The best pitching staff that I will likely see in my lifetime. And it's still what comes to mind right now is that it's crappy to be an Indians fan because you have an ownership that's not willing to commit. And that's where we are with this team. And it's amazing. I'm talking about why the minor leagues are hard and why the draft is important. But I just I keep coming back to that point because it's it's a talented squad that a front office has done such a fantastic job of assembling. They have not made the knee-jerk reactions that someone like myself has uh, written or talked about um, wanting them to make. They've made the right calls at, at the big, important turns. And now we're talking about them that... You know, when you look at the Central, outside of the Royals, every other team has done more to improve themselves this year than the Cleveland Indians. Let's end on that note. Nice, right? Very bummery. Thank you. You're welcome. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you all for rating and reviewing. Next week, we're going to go down to three shows. I'll do the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to start looking at things like first base what does it look like this year what does it look like in the future what's it look like in five years we're going to kind of start just going position by position looking at all of those important you know not just for this year not just for next year but the depth of each position we're going to look at the future see what it might hold for the cleveland indians you know if uh you know each position what happens if the starter gets hurt who's next what happens if that guy's ineffective if you're like well that's a lot to go through it's like well Welcome to what happened last year at shortstop for the Cleveland Indians where the starter got hurt and then the backup was ineffective. And, you know, eventually we ended up with Mike Freeman um, kind of filling that utility role that three other guys are given an opportunity first to. So we're going to kind of look at stuff like that. that that's going to be the fun of it. I know I did not get through all the divisions, but let's real quickly. Um, the Indians weren't going to make a trade in, in division in the East. Uh, Boston. Uh, the Indians aren't looking to take on salary. New York, they don't have any assets. Blue Jays, well, that, that's that's where a trade could happen. Baltimore, they don't have assets. <laughs> um, and Tampa, 
I, they got a ton of assets. I just don't see a natural fit necessarily with the Indians and them. Maybe maybe Brad Hand, but I don't know. Maybe. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll revisit the Rays and the Blue Jays. As those are the only teams that could make sense from the, uh, the teams that we have not discussed. But two teams, we'll put it farther down the line. We're going to start looking at positions. Pitchers and catchers report soon. As always, thank you for listening, and go Tribe.